Hey, this is Tolly Wilkins of Captivate Church, and we're so glad you've joined us on our podcast today. This is one way that we can take our message from Baltimore all across the world. We pray that today encourages you, inspires you to become the man or woman that God's designed you to be. want to jump right in to Luke chapter 24. It says this, But on the first day of the week at early dawn, they went to the tomb, taking the spices that they had prepared, and they found the stone rolled away from the tomb. But when they had went in, they did not find the body of the Lord Jesus. While they were perplexed about this, behold, two men stood by them in dazzling apparel. And as they were frightened, they bowed their faces to the ground. The men said to them, why do you seek the living among the dead? He is not here, but he is risen. Remember how he told you while he was still in Galilee, that the Son of Man must be delivered into the hands of sinful men and be crucified, and on the third day rise. And they remembered his words. And returning from the tomb, they told all these things to the eleven and to the rest. Now it was Mary Magdalene and Joanna and Mary, the mother of James, and the other women who were with them, who told them these things to the apostles. This is one of the funny verses. But these words seemed to them an idle tale, and they did not believe them. What a shame. But Peter rose and ran to the tomb, stooping and looking in. He saw the linen cloths by themselves, and he went home marveling at what happened. I, um, I find that funny because it was women who uh, spread the good news of the resurrected king first. And uh, it says that they thought Peter in his wisdom, you know, uh, big guy and he's got books in the Bible. And here he is. He, uh, he overlooked it. He thought it was just idle chatter. And isn't that what the world does think is that it's just idle chatter. It can't be real. It can't be real. But what if it is? What if it is? And so that's what Easter is about. It's the fact that we're celebrating a resurrected King. We're celebrating the fact that Jesus is no longer in the tomb. And today I want to be able to tell you a little bit about why that's so important and that we don't just celebrate and we make a bunch of noise for a day and then let this die, but we actually use this as a life-giving message for our souls every single day of the year. It really should change everything about whether or not Jesus is risen from the dead. I um, shared with you guys the story of my friend, but I think it's pertinent today. Um, Annie was the most godly young lady I had ever met in my life. And I met her on a mission trip where I was in Houston, inner city Houston, for three months as a 17-year-old, one of the youngest of about 40 missionaries that descended on Houston and spent our whole summer there, spreading around um, the area, doing kids' camps for kids, and feeding the homeless, and taking care of people, and, and all of that stuff. And so, so we just worked day in and day out for three months. And I met Annie there, and she was the most godly young lady I had ever met in my life. And at the time, she was uh, about 19. Well, fast forward, ultimately, um, I, I decided that I, I wanted to go to the school where Annie was going to. And that's how I ended up at the university that I went to as a Christian school. But how I ended up there was I believed so much in Annie and she was so much further ahead of me than where I was at the time. I looked at my life and I looked at her and I said, man, she's got something that I still need. I was a believer. I was serving. I was on a mission team, but I knew my inner heart. 
And I said, man, I want to go wherever she's going because she's talking how it's changed her life. And so I ended up going to the same school. And then for the next semester, my first semester, Annie would help me out and I would meet with her about once a week, once every other week. And she was this older sister figure in my life. And she was speaking into my life and she was sharing with me, don't do that, don't do that, don't go there. Hey, go there, go take that class. And she was just teaching me the ropes. And uh, then that summer of my freshman year, I ended up working at a youth camp in town. And and, uh, so I stayed near the campus. And so did Annie, but she was doing some other things at a different job. But one day I got this tragic call. And it was that my friend Annie, who I believed was the, the most godly young woman I had ever met in my life at that time, she had Uh, spun off the road of the side of a mountain and she crashed her car and she was in ICU. And with everything where it was and everything like that, I just, it it wasn't appropriate for me to visit. They weren't doing visitors. And so for the next couple of days, I just prayed and prayed and prayed and prayed and prayed. And I asked God, God, would you please just let Annie come out of this? She's the most godly woman I ever met. I I don't even understand why, why why, why not take somebody like me, somebody that's messed up like me and and jacked up like me. Why why take her? And and so let's, let's please, Lord, just have her come back. And ultimately, a couple of days later, about three days later, I get another call. Tolly, she's gone. And as, as a freshman in college, uh, believing God big, to see somebody that was a saint in my eyes have their life cut short at about 20 years old, crushed me. And so for the next couple of days, I, I just, I left my kids at the camp that I was serving and, and, and I, I just told my, my boss at the time who ultimately became my best friend, John, but I told him, I was like, I'm out of here. And, and I just went and I spent a couple of days and I was just seeking the scriptures. I'm like, God, I don't even know if you're real. I don't even, I don't even know what I could put my hope in anymore. If this is how people are treated that are so good today in, in Sri Lanka, if this is how people are treated, then, then man, you're, you must not be a great God. And then I came across this passage that we're going to look at today. And I couldn't deny it. That, that really all of my life's decisions, all of my attitude, all of my projections about others, all of it really, really, really does boil down to one simple question. Did Jesus raise from the dead? Period. Period. Not my opinions on anything else, not any other attitude I want to have, not my own agenda. None of it really matters at the end of the day. The question is, is did Jesus rise from the dead? Because every other world religious figure, you can visit their tomb. But, but, but Jesus, the Bible says that Jesus rose from the dead and he was witnessed by over 500 and he went back to his disciples, his followers, and each one of them were summarily executed after him. And they all went to the grave saying, there's no way we can deny the fact that we saw Jesus after he was risen from the dead. And all of Christianity is built on this premise. That's it. It's all built. It's not built on on, on the legalism. It's not built on the law. It's not built on the Old Testament, the New Testament. It's just built on the fact that did Jesus rise from the dead? Yes or no? 
And so in a culture at that time, when all they wanted to do, you had the Roman uh, governance that, that killed Jesus, that, that went ahead and said, hey, let's get this guy out of here. You see over and over in scripture, it recalls people saying, hey, we got to get this troublemaker. You could go to secular text. You could read about Josephus and you can look back and say, hey, wow, there's like secular authors that don't believe any of it, but they acknowledge the fact that there was Jesus. They acknowledge the fact that Jesus definitely died in a borrowed, he went to, was buried in a borrowed tomb. And they acknowledge that all of a sudden an up rising of thousands and thousands of followers started to proclaim that Jesus is Lord. He's risen from the dead. And all over the world, you had the Jewish kingdom that wanted to put down this uprising of Christians. You had the Roman kingdom that said, man, we can't have this uprising here. We can't have this out of control religion. We can't control this. And then ultimately the faith itself takes over the Roman governance. All from a guy that didn't have a home to his name that was betrayed, that had only a, a band of a few followers, that came into town the week before riding on the back of a donkey. But yet the world has changed. From B.C. to A.D., your calendar has changed. Entire, entire economies, entire nation states were born out of the Judeo-Christian ethic because of Christ what he stood for. Women, for the first time in history with Christ, women were elevated in stature because of Christianity. All of it changed. And it all hinges on the fact that Jesus was risen from the dead. And so for really, it's a simple proposition for all of us today. What do I believe about whether or not Jesus was risen from the dead? That's it. That's it. Because if you believe that he's not risen from the dead, then good. I'm about to give you some fodder. I'm about to give you some help from the scriptures so that you, you could throw stones. But if you, don't, if you do believe that he's risen from the dead, then I'm going to give you some reinforcement and some encouragement today. Is that okay with you? All right, here we go. So the verse that I ended up on, that I ended up uh, diving into when I, when I went away and I found myself under a tree in a field, legitimately this was the story, and, and, I, and I was just flipping through scripture and I was just like, Lord, I don't know if I want any of this anymore. I don't even know if I want you anymore. And, and I'm having this dialogue with God, this banter with God, and I come across this passage in 1 Corinthians 15 that I want to show you. I read this um, some years ago. Piper set it up this way and he said, you know what, if you, if you go down this, you're going to see all the negatives, and we really should consider that. But if you take it in reverse and look at it as all the positives, man, what a joyous celebration. And so that's all I want to do with us today is 1 Corinthians 15. It says this, Now if Christ is proclaimed as raised from the dead, how can some of you say that there is no resurrection of the dead? So he was dealing with the church at Corinth, and some people, they, they had some religious stuff, and they were like, hey, no, you die, and it's nihilism. Basically, you're, 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 you're jacked. Like, you die, you become dirt. You become worm food. That's what you become, and that's it. Nothing else to celebrate. And so they're like, really, is that really all there is? Now, if Christ is proclaimed as risen from the dead, how can some of you say that there is no resurrection of the dead? But if there is no resurrection of the dead, then not even Christ was raised. And if Christ has not been raised, look at this. If Christ has not been raised, then our preaching is in vain and your faith is in vain. There is no Christian faith. We are even found to be misrepresenting God because we have testified about God that he raised Christ, whom he did not raise if it's true that the dead aren't raised. 
For if the dead are not raised, even Christ hasn't been raised. And if Christ has not been raised, your faith is futile and you are still in your sins. Then these also who have fallen asleep or those who have died before, in Christ they've also perished. If in Christ we have hope in this life only, we are of of all people most to be pitied. I, I love this passage in part because of my personality style. I, I'm, a, I'm a type A, just tell it like it is. Let's get down to the core. Like we don't need to dance around the detail. Let's just cut straight to the core. And, and this passage cuts straight to the core and just said, if Christ is risen, there's, a, there's an attitude and a behavior and a hope. And if he is not risen, then you know what? All of this is garbage. And I, I like that. I, I like the, the, how clean that is, right? I, I don't like when we dance through meadows and flowers and we talk symbolism and nobody has any idea what everybody else just said. I don't like that. That's bleh. I, I like what, what, is, what is truth? Tell me like it is. And even if you tell me your truth and give me a chance to evaluate it, I prefer that. So let's go back and look at it. Verse 14. And if Christ has not been raised, then our preaching is in vain. If Christ isn't alive, all Christian preaching is useless. If Christ isn't alive right now, then all Christian preaching is useless. We need to account for that. We should be okay with that and saying, yeah, that's, that would be the case. What a foolish system to bring people together and to contribute resources and to go out and help the poor and to try to help give people hope. What a foolish system if really Christ isn't raised at all. If Christ is not alive, then all Christian preaching is useless because we're hanging it all on the fact that there is an active God who is active in your life, who cares enough. And because of a risen Christ, you too can have a new life. And if Christ is not raised, then all of this is garbage. It really is. This is also why I don't get worked up if I'm talking to somebody who doesn't believe what I believe about Jesus and they're living as though they don't believe what I believe about Jesus. That doesn't bother me. That's called sanity. If you don't believe something and you live in light of the fact you don't believe it, that's, that's normal. <laughs> What's insane is to try to live a life of something that you don't believe. This is why we, we, we around here, I've, I've only baptized a couple of people that were under the age of 16, only a couple. And it was after talking to their parents and talking to the kid over and over and over. Why? Because I don't, I don't get extra stars in heaven for dunking kids that don't know what they're thinking. And I've counseled too many of you <laughs> who were dunked as kids and didn't know what was going on. And so it's, it's, fine to accept the fact that, you know what, if, if Christ isn't risen, then really there, there's no hope in any of this. But we'll get to the counterpoint in a second. Verse 14 continued, and it says, and your faith is in vain. Not only is the preaching bad, but also your faith is messed up. If Christ isn't alive, then all Christian faith is pointless. Why, why order your family a certain way according to the scriptures? Why, why handle your resources, your money a certain way? Why hold out hope for people a certain way? Why give people a second, third, fourth chance? Why turn the cheek when you're, you're slapped on one side, turn the cheek to your other? Why, why, why do all this stuff? It's nice 
I guess, fodder philosophy, but it, it doesn't have any tangible benefit. You ought to just go at that point and, and just say, no, it's whatever the whole decides, and we're going to go and group think, and I'll just go with the whole. But no, Christianity swims upstream from culture because of the fact that we say, you know what? Christ is risen from the dead. He's my Lord and Savior. Not only does he save me from my sin, but also he's my Lord, meaning I trust what he has to say about my existence. And so there are things that I do in Christ that I wouldn't have done outside of Christ. Some of the best Christians that I know, some of the strongest Christians that I know, were some of the best sinners that I know. The only reason they are who they are is because they trust Christ has risen from the dead and he offers them an opportunity for eternal future with him forever. And they spend their lives saying, okay, Lord, I want to do this. You want me to do that. Okay, I'll do what you want me to do. And every now and then they do what they want to do and they pay the consequence and they go, huh, I guess Christ is alive. (laughs) And they go back. So not only if Christ is not alive, the preaching is useless, but also our faith if Christ isn't alive. Verse 15, we are even found to be misrepresenting God. So he elevates it and he steps up the game and he says, no, 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 it's even worse. Not only is it not true, not only is the preaching bad, not only is your faith bad, but check it out. If Christ is not raised from the dead, then we have misrepresented God because we testified about God that he raised Christ, whom he did not raise if it's true that the dead aren't raised. If Christ is not alive, this one's hard. Christians are liars. Right? This is, this is the point of Easter. If Christ isn't raised from the dead, not only is the preaching useless and the faith useless, but we are actively lying against God every day. And so the resurrection counts for everything. The resurrection is the linchpin that holds our entire faith together. The resurrection is what makes us not liars. Verse 17, and if Christ has not been raised, your faith is futile and you are still in your sin. If Christ is not alive, then we are stuck with our sin. If Christ isn't alive, there's not a lot of hope left. In this world, and we we take on this fatal fatalistic view of a secularist that just says there is really no hope. The best thing you can do is organize yourself into a group that will protect you, and you can contribute to protect them. And then you end up getting this 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 brazen, godless type of me first, country first, tribe first mentality of just circling the wagons and the rest of the world is out to get me and I better be out to get the rest of the world first. And that's the antithesis of who Jesus is. Jesus says, you know what? No, if somebody wants, wants something from you you, you, you go ahead and you give them your tunic. You give them your jacket too. You go the extra mile. You, you, you serve others who might persecute you. When someone is your enemy, you love them. You love your enemies. This is all what Jesus teaches, but none of it makes sense without the resurrection of Christ. It's unproven philosophy that has no grounding in reality. Because if the world doesn't operate off of a resurrected king, And if there is not a thing called God's economy, and if there's not a forever future, 
than all we are. We're no greater really than the worms. And so the resurrection, it gives power and meaning and purpose and value to all of this. Verse 18, then those who have also fallen asleep in Christ have perished. If Christ isn't alive and there is no resurrection of the dead, then then that, that means that there is no life after death. If Christ, in verse 19, in Christ we have hope in this life only, we are of all people most to be pitied. Meaning if Christ is not alive, Christians are pitiful people who shouldn't be admired by anybody. But, but, Christ is alive. And this is the message that Christians proclaim. And I know there are other messages that throughout history have seemed to overshadow this poignant point. And I know there are some of you in this room that have come today at the invite of a friend or maybe you're just giving faith a shot yourself. And there's been other messages that have clouded the main point of Christianity for you. And for that, I'm sorry. I really am. I'm sorry that that people have turned a faith into so much that it's not. And that have turned a faith in some cases against you. But I want you to know that the point of all of this is that we have a God who loved you so much that he saw us in our sin. The scripture says, while we were yet dead in our sin, Christ came to die for us. The message of the gospel of Christ is not that God spun the world like a top and walked away, but rather that God is active and involved and he cares about you and he knows you by name. He knows the number of hair on your head. He knows the number of your days. Whether you live another uh, one day, 100 days, 1,000, or 10,000, God knows that already. He's so intimately involved with you. He, he cares about you. You are made in his image. And so that's one of the reasons that I value you is strictly because you don't have to prove a thing to me. You're made in the image of God. You're an image bearer of God. And you reflect his glory just by your existence everywhere you go. The message of Christianity, the message of Easter, is that not only did God die for you at the cross on Calvary. You see, people can die for you, and people do die for each other. At every great tragedy, you see that there were heroes that jumped in and they died for someone else, and they got someone else out safely while they perished. So it's not just about the fact that Christ died for me. It's the fact that he's risen from the dead. And it's the fact that he is alive right now. It's the fact that he loves you right now. He wants a personal relationship with you right now. And the beautiful thing is you don't have to earn it. You don't have to do anything in order to receive the love that God has for you. The only thing you have to do, it's not a do, it's a believe. It's do I believe that Christ paid the penalty for my life, and he rose again, and he sits at the Father's right hand, the place of honor, and one day he'll come back for all of his children, living and the dead, to enjoy an eternity with God forever. That's the message of Christianity. All these other sideshow messages, they are like carnival barkers. 
trying to get our attention and distract us from the main show. The main show is that you're loved by God. So let me show you the, the contrapositives, if you will, of 1 Corinthians 15. Verses 12 and 13, there is new life. If you take it and you reverse it, there is new life after death because Christ has been raised. So we start out by saying, you know what? But there is new life. There is new life. Can you say new life? New life. There is new life. Because of Christ's resurrection, we do have hope for a future. We don't believe that when we die, that's it, and we become worm food. We believe that there is a future for us, a forever future. We believe that God will create a new heaven and a new earth, and we get to be a part of that, and we're a part of his family. And in and, and there, there will not be any need for tears or sadness, no medication, no people trying to get by and limping along. No, there's nothing but joy, and Jesus replaces the sun as our light. He radiates the glory of God for us to just enjoy his presence forever. And it was back as it was in Genesis when he walked with them and he talked with them and he enjoyed their presence. And that's exactly what we get in heaven forever is to be able to walk with God and we're going to recognize each other. And, and I pray I get a six pack or I'll take an eight pack, but, but I, we're, we're going we're gonna to just enjoy eternity forever together for those that would trust Jesus resurrection. He is risen. Our preaching and our faith is useful. Not only is it not useless, it is useful. It's useful for us to be able to preach the gospel. It's useful for us to teach one another how to love. It is useful for us to encourage one another to serve and to give and to be less selfish and more generous. All of these things are useful to us. They are useful to us to be able to go out into the world and to point others to Christ, but also useful to us to start to look like the Christ that we point to. The gospel Resurrection power means that the preaching of the word of God is useful to us. Christians, verse 15, Christians are proclaiming the truth. Not only are Christians not liars, but we are actively proclaiming the truth of existence. And I want you to hear something. This, this, doesn't, this isn't the same as when you get in a conversation, what do you believe, what do you believe, what do you believe? And you say, well, I believe. I, I believe this. My take is this. No, 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 no. Christian, be bold. You don't just have a take on the world. You have the truth of how this world operates. You have the truth about the fact that all men and all women are born by nature sinners. And all of us will go our own way. And it happens every single time you know a human. You show me a human that has not proven to you the fact that all of us are sinners and all of us make mistakes. That's a truth. You, 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 you have the truth of the gospel that in your sin, you cannot do enough good deeds to earn heaven. There's not a good, enough good deeds for us to do to where heaven is worth it to us. Are you kidding? We're sinners. We're broken. We can be as good and well-behaved as we want, but I don't know about you. I know a lot of moral people who are dead as a doornail on the inside. They, they do everything right, 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 but it's just a show. Jesus called these people hypocrites, and he said that you clean up really nice on the outside, but your inside is falling apart, it's decrepit, it's like decaying bone. It's, it's, it's falling apart. 
So moralism doesn't save us. So we have this sin issue and moralism doesn't save us, but you have the truth of the gospel of Christ, which is that God sent his son, Jesus, to live the one only life that was free from sin and as an atoning sacrifice, propitiation, payment for your sin, got up on the cross and voluntarily paid the penalty and died. He was a willing participant. He was a contributor. He was not a victim. He was not just a martyr. He was not just a teacher that got caught up in the wrong group. He was a willing, voluntary, um, atoning sacrifice for you and for me. It's not your opinion. It's the truth of what happened. And from that truth, thousands rise up and the birth of Christianity happens. Verse 17, by trusting in Christ, we're no longer stuck in our sin. You have victory over sin. When you trust in Christ, you're no longer stuck with that sin problem. You no longer have to justify yourself every day. What you're allowed to do is say, you know what? Yes, I am a sinner in need of God's grace. And he gave me his grace on the cross. And he covered up, the scripture says, he covered up all of that sin. So now the conversation is no longer, Tully, what are you going to do about your sin? No, the conversation is, this is what Jesus has already done for my sin. I'm going to spend the rest of my life loving my Savior and loving the people that he's asked me to love around me. But I'm not any longer up on that cross. I'm not the one that has to answer for all that stuff on my own. What I'm trying to do is surrender my life and let Jesus be my guide for the rest of my life. But I don't have the sin problem stuck on me anymore. Without Christ, all of us have the sin problem to deal with. Are we worthy of heaven without Christ's sacrifice? Do you think you can do enough good to earn God's favor? Do you think that there's a God of the universe that would look at you and go, yeah, they're impressive. Now, I think that some days, but then my wife smacks me on the back of the head. She's like, you're not that impressive, actually. I love you, but you're not that impressive. You see, the sin problem is, is stuck to us. It's innate. It's, it's a, a born characteristic of the human disease. It's just part of who we are. And, and you say, man, disease, that sounds real sad. No, no, no. Like, you've hurt people. <laughs> like, you've, you've betrayed people. You've undercut people. You've lied. You've coveted. You've stolen. You've had jealousy in your heart. Like, you're, you're, you and I are not great people left by ourselves. Do you know you never have to teach a child in the nursery next door? They're not over there having lessons. Hey, guys, here's how to hit your friends. They're not doing that. We've never, no parent has ever come up and say, hey, can you teach my kid to be more greedy? My kid's just too generous. No, like we're all born into this. And then society pressure helps us to kind of button up in front of others, but our heart is still there. And the sin is still there. And we've still got to answer for it. But with Christ, he's the answer. By trusting in Christ, we're no longer stuck in that sin. We're no longer a slave to sin. We have victory over sin. We have victory to be able to avoid the sin. There is hope, verse 18. There is hope for all who have passed away before. For my friend Annie, there's hope that I'm going to see Annie again. I love, the world loves 
to take shots at Christianity. The world loves that. But the world has no answer for a forever future. And so with all due respect, I say shut up. <laughs> like, it, it, imperfect, yes. Humanity is imperfect. But that's a part of our creed, is that we're imperfect people trying to follow a perfect God. And sometimes crazy cousins and crazy uncles get out there and do something stupid in the name of our family that we don't agree with. And if you want to take pot shots at that, fine. But you can't take pot shots at the fact that we believe in a God who loves you enough to leave heaven and come down and die for you and give you an opportunity for heaven forever. Our creed is that in our sin, we're made strong through Christ that when we relinquish that, there is hope for everyone who has passed before. For my friend Annie, to children who die way too young, to my wife's sister who passed away at a very young age that I did my first funeral for, there's hope that we're going to see these people again. There's hope that we have a future. There's hope today for the people in Sri Lanka there was hope in that church a year or two ago in, in Texas. There's hope because of the risen Savior. Without it, give me your answer. You become worm food. So I like where my hope takes me. Verse 19, we have eternal hope and we get to point people to heaven. We're telling the truth about where heaven is. We're telling the truth about who Jesus is. We have eternal hope inside, and we get to give it away to other people. And that is a good, good deal. I want to conclude today with sharing the word gospel means good news. And you saw it in a video. One illustration they gave was it was a secular term that a, a country was out of war. And so the good news is the war is over. The word gospel just means good news. But today, maybe you're in this room, and maybe you don't know for sure if you have a relationship with God. I would love if this Easter, you got a brand new birth date. You got the birth date when you were born, and you got the birth date for heaven. You said, that's the day I was eternally born. You see, the word gospel is just a, an acronym. We put it up here. God, our sin, paying everyone life. God created us to be with him. God created us to enjoy him. That's what Genesis is about. When you go read Genesis and see, man, what did God want for us? God just wanted to be with us. God just wanted us to enjoy his presence. God wanted us to give us the whole world to, to run and play and enjoy. So God created us to be with him. But our sin, our sin separates us from God. God's holy, we're not. And so one of the things to become a, a follower of Jesus, you have to admit, is that, you know what? I have sin in me that prevents me with my sin from entering heaven, entering a relationship. Our sin separates us from God. It's not the fact that we do sins. It's the fact that we are sinners. It's a nature thing, not a what we do thing. So God created us to be with him. Our sin separates us. It creates distance. And you guys have all seen it. I've done it myself. When I know I'm in sin, I feel distant from God. 
Sin cannot be removed by good deeds. Sin cannot be removed by our best efforts. In fact, in the book of Isaiah, it says, if you wave your best efforts at God without Jesus and and just say, God, this is why I deserve heaven, the Bible says it's like a women's menstrual rag being waved in the nose of God. I think that's a pretty good description. (laughs) I think I got that. The point is, we don't try to bring our best effort before God and say, I should get in because I'm a good guy or a good girl. It's pointless. So God created us to be with him. Our sin separates us from God. Sin cannot be removed by good deeds. But paying the price for sin, Jesus died on the cross. Paying the price. What did he do? He he didn't just die as a political martyr. He didn't just die because there was some group that threw him up on a cross and killed him. No, he voluntarily, he paid a price for your sin. When he got up on the cross, when you see all these churches, when the church in in Paris, um, when the church in Paris was, was, uh, was falling apart and everything, when all of that was going on, You look around and you see these crosses. Why? Why do we celebrate the cross? Because that's the method by which Jesus paid for your sin. Paying the price for sin, Jesus died. God created us to be with him. Our sin separates us from God. Sin cannot be removed by good deeds. Paying the price for sin, Jesus died on the cross to give you eternal life. Everyone. Everyone who trusts in him will not be put to shame. Everyone who trusts in Jesus will have eternal life. El life, life that begins now and lasts for forever. That's the simple message of the gospel. You were created to be with God. Your sin separates you. Jesus paid for that sin. If you will trust in Jesus' finished work, you'll have life forever. Do you see anywhere in there where we say you're going to be perfect? We see anything in there that says you'll never go through trials again. It's a get, you see anything in there that says it's a get rich quick scheme? No. It's you're a sinner in need of a savior. His name is Jesus. Trust in Jesus and enjoy the rest of your life as though you weren't shackled in your sin. Love on everybody around you. Take them with you if they'll go. That's the gospel. And I pray that today, If you're not sure where you stand with God, that today, in just a moment, I'm going to pray, and I'm going to give you an opportunity to pray with me. You can pray silently right at your seat, but I pray that nobody leaves this room today without experience in the saving grace of the gospel of God. That we would say, you know what? Before I walked in, I'm not sure where I stood with God, but if that's the gospel, if that's the good news, I want in. I want to know for sure, for certain, forever that I'm right with God.